It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies in theater, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware, as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey, hey, Bryce. And Murray. Formus Eve is upon us, Murr. Have you already got your tickets? Not yet. Oh, will you be able to sleep tonight or will you be too excited? Uh, no, I'm working, so I won't be sleeping. No! That's too bad. I know. I'm going to sleep like a baby. I know you will. Even though I'm going to be on my couch because my mother's in my bed and that's the way it is sometimes. Things you got to do for your parents. Indeed. All right, so with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. You know, I think the most important thing is, is that, well, I'll tell you later. Well, thanks to all who've been supporting us. If you love our independent podcast, please like, subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating on your listening platform, or support us and join the Film Rage community by joining our membership at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Film Rage YYC. If you cannot commit to a membership, you can still buy us a movie rental and dare us to see a terrible film, and we will probably watch it. Now... Let's get to raging, but first, here's a word from our sponsors. Hey Bryce, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to my favorite cinema, Canyon Meadow Cinema, to see the best second-run movies at the best price. What? How inexpensive are they? Regular price is five bucks, five bucks. Regular price is five bucks, five bucks. Makes me hope they also serve pizza. They do, plus a lot of other great food choices. Plus, I'm planning my office Christmas party there. They can host a plethora of options for any get-together. Gaming, movie, drag show? Drag show? Now I know why I'm planning my next party. Hey, maybe you think there's a, a Liam Neeson or a superhero movie plan? Ugh, I hope not. But uh, maybe there'll be a great independent documentary. Sure. Call CMC at 403-670-5444 to book a special event or go online at canyonmeadowscinemas.ca. Nothing better than dancing on Thursday. Streaming. We've been streaming. We've been streaming and doing wow. We were streaming, Jim. Even Marie did 10 minutes of streaming on the weekend. <laughs> you know what? It's probably he's not going to get any sleep tonight. Because he's been gonna, having way too many Thorgasms as he touches himself thinking about Thor. It's Thor's Day Eve. I know. <laughs> There's just going to be no sleep. There's just going to be straight jizz all and night. I, and I watched all three of those over the weekend. I, I watched one of them today. I've watched none, none of, of them. them. I know that. But I know you've watched some other crap. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about what we talked about streaming. So we started with Flux Gourmet. Gourmand? Sure. Flux Gourmet is a film about... Flux Gourmet. The Sonic Catering Institute. What is that, you might ask? Well, 
In a nutshell, it's a group of artists that create sounds from food and combine this into a spectacle to behold in the form of performance art. If that sounds like a good launching point for a film, then Flux Gourmet may be exactly what you're craving. The film centers around a man named Stones who has been hired by the Institute to document their process from preparation to performance and everything in between. Every character in this is extremely well written. Mm. Al, Billy, and Lamina are a trio of artists unlike any I have ever seen on screen. They're all spectacular characters in their own way, but the film is stolen by Jan Stevens, the director of the Institute. She is played by Gwendolyn Christie in a performance whose extravagance is only matched by the clothes she wears. Yes. There is not one scene in this film that is boring or mundane. There is only scene after scene of original awesomeness. This film was so good that I guarantee that I will be watching it again and again through my remaining years. Flux Gourmet was a delicious smorgasbord for the senses. Or more simply put, it was Mondo. Oh, so it was a tasty little number, you're saying. Oh, so tasty. So tasty. Well, Sonic catering Mm -hmm. may or may not be a career I knew about before seeing this film, but now I know my true calling. Bryce? Yes. Can we create a studio in your new house when you finally get it, right beside the podcast studio and beside our our band studio, Mm -hmm. uh, where we can just... You know, flux gourmet all day long. We'll definitely need some surfaces that are easily wiped down. Yes. Yes. Can it be made all in rubber or all in plastic? Either one works for me. I will let my real estate agent know. (laughs) It would be good if it was already made before we moved in. Yes. So the color saturation and film style at times appears to be a little influenced by early Peter Greenway. But those were the only things influenced by him. The dialogue and concept carries a whole different level of aristocracy. The characters are strong and unique and so well-written. And everything they say, I'm hanging on every single word. I hear you. The higher thinking of artists will often come off as overly highbrow and snobby. But with Peter Strickland, he always portrays a level of offbeat and subtle humor that just washes over you, especially in this film. Yes. Where this year, Cronenberg took us on an art trip with body horror. Strickland does his art shock with food and sound and flatulence. There's a scene that exemplifies this where you feel you are at a blood orgy food rave using soup and guts and a blender and a sound mixer to a new dance banging her head into a microphone and I wish I could have dropped E and was at that party all night long. The sound and music in this film was so incredible and amazingly planned and structured. So, so, so precise. Mm. Cronenberg and Strickland are the kind of directors that are taking the art of film to new levels and stretching our imagination and senses to places we didn't think we could go. But for me, I have been so deprived of creativity this last year that these films bring me hope again for the future of cinema. I just wished I had seen this in theaters. But instead, this weekend, or that last weekend, yes. we had Minions 4 or 5 
or seven. I, I have no clue. This film is weird and wonderful and artistic and it's Mondo. It is so Mondo. This film was made for me. Us. It was made for us. It was a t- it was so oh like I had you know what? I had watched it once and then I went back and watched it again yeah. with the subtitles on. Because yeah. I didn't want to miss one word of dialogue. Yeah. That's that's how much I love the dialogue in this film. Yeah, no, and it's just so there, good. there was the the humor, like it's it's not like Oh no. I can't, people who if you're listening to me, the humor in this is so subversive and so dry. Like yeah, it's it just is, it is bone dry. Especially, especially so with the guy who's who's recording this. Yeah. Like his him Stones. and his flatulence problem yeah. is just the whole way through the movie, it's just like, okay, my yeah. mind is completely blown. It's I, as you say, it's it's a breath of fresh air. I mean, we've been watching so much stuff that's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, and then all of a sudden you get a film like this, and you're like, okay, cinema's not dead. Yeah, it's it it, it literally gave me yeah. hope. It literally gave me hope. So yeah, people, if you like the weird like Bryce and I, <laughs> this is definitely a movie for you. Um, I'm talking about the Verm from Cinema Recall. You will love this film. Uh, Murray, on the other hand, I'm thinking he's glad he didn't see this one. I'm sure I would have hated it. He would have absolutely hated everything, except for the E-trip gasm that we took with the blender. That I think you might have liked that scene. Because she was nude. <laughs> Maybe? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we also doesn't mean it's a good thing. That's right. So we actually saw that on VOD because I don't think any streaming service was playing in no, Canada. No, I don't think so. And uh, the other one that we're now going to talk about from Murray's homeland was also on VOD. Mm. Uh, yeah, the Innocents, as in T S Innocent. They're innocent. They are innocent children. Uh, no, were they? They're not. Were they pretty innocent? I don't uh, know. It says it's it's well it's. It's from Norway. They spoke Norwegian, but it's really a Danish film. But uh, yeah, during uh, the bright Nordic summer, uh, a group of children reveal their dark and mysterious powers. Mm-hmm. The adults aren't Ooh. looking. Uh, basically, playtime takes a dangerous turn. Yes, it does. Indeed. So say the writers of I Am. That's right. And we got to watch this together, me and Murray, in my home uh, cinema. We mm. did, yeah. And is. 2000 inch TV. It's um, almost as big as his. Is that like as a his prototype? Thoner. <laughs> it is. It's a prototype, but it's, it's almost as big as Murray's Thoner right now. Uh, yes, that was a weird album. Norwegian Thoner. Uh, yeah, you know me. I love my Norwegian films. Yes, uh, I haven't seen one yet that I didn't like. This and, is good. Uh, this one, not so much. What? what? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the CLFs were creepy as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there were some pretty gruesome moments. There was. As much as uh, someone like me who doesn't like cats, that was just <laughs> a horrific scene. <laughs> yes, it was. Which we'll never, I'll never be able to forget. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, they just, they never really explain why these kids have no. these powers. And, and yeah, it, I, I, originally, I thought the, the the little girl was the creepy one. Turns out she wasn't. There's p- someone creepier than her. Yes. So much um, creepier. I don't know. It was sort of entertaining, but I didn't really get, you know, thriller or 
you know, gripping, you didn't get any uh, drama out of it. There was really? no thoner for this no. movie, is mm. what you're saying. No, it, was, it was okay. It was meh. It was just meh. Wow. Well, it's also when this is like the first Norwegian movie. I think he hasn't just given a yeah, gushes about them. That's yeah. right. He's usually on fire. Well, I am. There's usually a gusher. I am planning on watching Worst Person in the World this weekend. There you go. Well, you will probably. I'm hoping you like it, but you won't like her. I don't think. What's the point? Mm. She's literally the worst person in the world. I think that's the point. Other than the kid that's in this movie. I'm okay with that. What is? (laughs) What say you, Bryce? The Innocence is a film for adults that is about the exploits of four children. It is a story that asks, what if a child had the power to punish someone or even kill with just a thought? Would they act impulsively? Would they regret it afterwards? Or would they develop a taste for it? This is to say at least a very, very frightening concept. You combine that concept with a character like Ben, played by Sam Ashram, with a calculating uneasiness, and you get a truly horrifying film. This is psycho. Like many superhero stories, and make no mistake, this is a superhero story. Really? The film starts with the villain and the heroes as friends. Ben meets Ida, and a friendship develops. Soon, Ida's autistic sister Anna and another neighborhood kid, Aisha, are introduced as this innocent group of kids slowly starts to lose their innocence as they discover that they possess unnatural power. Slowly, the sinister ways that lie just under the surface of Ben start to show, and Ben goes from friend to supervillain. To foe. The other three must team together to stop the corrupt power that Ben possesses. This is a film for anyone that wants to watch a superhero movie that Mickey Mouse hasn't Disney-fied. It is one of the better ensemble child casts in recent memory, with all four of them giving stellar performances. It is a slow burner with a frightening, con- like a truly frightening concept. Oh, totally. I mean, these are undeveloped minds yeah. that have unlimited power. It is it is frightening. It's like Brightburn 2.0. Oh, with all four. I do, yeah. So this concept is a style of superhero origin story that I have personally been waiting for. The Innocence was also Mondo. What the hell is happening right now? I love these two movies. The first two we you're, reviewed this. You're one. welcome. Thank you. because you're, you're so welcome. Were, neither of them were on my radar. So I do think I would have seen Flux for me eventually. Oh, yeah, of course. This one I would probably have not. I would have missed. Well, you're so very, I very welcome. I do thank you, Jim, because I loved both of them. And I truly love this movie. This was, this is, this is a horror movie. Not just so, the, not save just the it. kid, but. Save it. We want, I want to talk more about this. Okay, go ahead. But first, you know me. If you got the right chemistry with a bunch of CLF serial killers yes. in the making, <laughs> then you have a recipe for creepy time Norwegian fun every time. Nice. There's no one creepier than Norwegian kids. Right, Mer? Sure. <laughs> this film has such a slow burn, but started out so fucked up, you are instantly so invested and interested to see where this film is going to go. Mm-hmm. Two young CLF sociopaths in the making become friends over some freaky kitten play. Yes. And then you slowly start to realize some of these kids have special gifts. And I don't mean Norwegian Halloween candy making. Mm. 
don't know what that means. Well, you know, like the Halloween candy that they can make it. It's a gift to make Halloween candy. Uh, It's not the same gift that they have. They probably could still make Halloween candy. Norwegian style. Yeah, you can continue now. It's it's a psychic connection that allows them to all experience how much of a schizoid one of the kids, Ben, is, as Mm -hmm. as you've mentioned. This build is slow yet horrifying. I love Ben. As we never know the levels Ben or our director will go with his abilities and his levels of torture he will inflict. These CLF actors do a great job as they balance needing to be liked and figuring out the right and wrong. I could feel each one of their feelings as they progress this creepy little CLF tale. All this with the help of a music score and sound effects that were so perfect. I thought Flux Gourmet was perfect. And then this, there was like a lot of nothing. Yep. And it was so perfectly done. Yep. This film does not shy away from taking you to horrors you think may or may not ever happen. <sighs> Nothing is held back in the levels of horror our director takes us on. And you find out soon that no one is safe inside our bubble of our four young friends. Mm-hmm. This film proves that CLFs can be truly horrific. And if they are truly as creepy as this... They can be Mondo. And, almost word for word verbatim, all of it, a superhero movie. (laughs) It really was. (laughs) Yeah. And if all superhero movies were this good again, this too could make superhero movies be a natural Mondo. But as usual, they usually get a rage because they're so unoriginal. I give them maz. Yeah, I know. You're being a little... you're, You're Mr. Generous these days. Oh well. Yeah, so we have a few things, I think, to unpack. I cut you off a little bit before. You but. know, it's okay, but I, I want to just bring up the fact that how come every time we see a a film that's not made in North America, the child actors are tremendous. Yes. Like, they're, they're not good. They're tremendous. They're tremendous. Like, they don't look like they're acting. And we're we probably bat about 300 in, in you know, North American Can movies. you explain... And 300 in a baseball term to someone who doesn't speak so baseball? So three, three out of every 10 kids in a movie in North America is oh, good. Okay. And 10 out of 10 out of every, of every kid. Okay, I understand 10s. I don't know like, these hundreds. It's like so good. It's Yeah, I would say I would say it's 9.5 yeah, because we there's, have there's, seen, there's a, we've there's seen a, a couple yeah, in the last is. little while. But yeah, I would, I don't know what it is. I don't know if, I don't, I, I think this is what I think. Yes. I think there's. And I could be wrong, so anybody who's listening, please correct me. Usually, Philip corrects me. But if in Europe and the rest of the world, I think they have different rules and laws about how much time a kid can actually act. Like, I know in Britain, the time that kids can act, physically do acting, it's like half of what they can do in the U.S. So I wonder if the kids, like, they don't get their nap time or they don't get... You know, Maybe. mother's milk or whatever they need whatever they to need. make them happy. But you know, the, where's the the kids? They have chance to go and you know. Because man, this was for incredible for kids, incredible performance, and what a diverse cast too. Yeah. Like you had a real cool, diverse cast. Yeah, how cool was yeah, that? I'm, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, yeah. uh, world. Please take note. Yeah, the I innocence mean, had, pretty diverse. Exactly, it's it couldn't be more diverse. Yeah, it was just that's what we need. Yeah, yeah, we need more of this. We need what what's on the screen to actually reflect. 
what's what's going on in the world. Yeah, the 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 kid in this. Um, yep. It to me this this kind of had a build of the whole Malachi factor, as I say, mm. from Children of the Corn. Because except not Malachi, the other kid, the other creepy kid that pays plays the corn master, whatever his name is. I always remember Malachi because it's the redheaded kid. But right. in in Children of the Corn, the other kid that was even super creepy. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you see him, and it's just like from moment one, you're kind of like, this guy's not right. I mean, right away you get to see the cat scene. So. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, and the, the the kid that played Ben, uh, Sam Ashram, I hope he gets some more roles. Oh, he was totally. so good. Yeah, this. I was just blown away. That scene with it when he's in the kitchen with his mother, and I won't spoil. Oh it yeah, there. it's like, it's just, he's just so good. Oh yeah, that's you, we he's thought the cat scene so was good. horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people. This is this is another super slow burn. It's a must see, and it's it's truly hor- horrifying. And I agree. I mean, it's the best superhero movie I've seen this year. It's the best superhero movie I've seen this year, and it's also the best horror movie I've seen this year. And also the best CLF movie. There we go. Creepy little fuckers are everywhere. It's the it hit the trifecta. All right. So another movie that um, we got to see in cinemas though. In cinema. Yeah. And the Murr didn't get to this, did you, Murr? Because you had too much work. Had to work. Murray's poor little body with all the work he's doing. Yeah. Although all, his bank account all, is very all happy. Like poor, all work and no play, Murray. I like my poor little car. But, yeah. yeah, isn't there like a... Um, there's a serial killer about that. Yeah. Makes Murray a doll boy or something like something that. Something like that. Sure. And then he axes things. Mm. Did you bring your axe with you, Murray? Give him the axe. So we got to see a movie called The Phantom of the Open, which I would have thought would have been a big draw for Murray because he likes things with the phantom in the title. Yes. And where, where was it playing, Jim? Oh, it was playing at Murray's least favorite cinema. There you, there you go. There you go. This film and our introduction to Maurice Flit, Flitchcraft. I think he went by Morris. Morris? Not Morris, yeah. He's not French. Morris Flitchcraft reminded me so much of my boy Bryce. His technology prowess and his starting his golf career so late in life made me really feel like I was watching the future of my adorable little friend Bryce. Mm. You all know how much I hate sports movies and even more how I hate biopics and period pieces. But then I've never seen a sports period biopic with the mesmerizing Mark Rylinson. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> oh, with his acting and his producing role, I might add. Mm-hmm. But in addition to the mesmerizing Mark Rylance, yes, we also got to see the undoubted Sally Hawkins. We did. And a cast of characters so endearing, you can't stop smiling the whole movie. Was this film predictable? Hell yes. Was it corny at times? Oh, God. Yes. So corny. And are these the type of movies that usually make me rage? 100% yes. But when you create characters so endearing and rich and a story that has... An underdog plot that gives hope to everyone who sees this. You can't help but melt a rage-filled heart. The music in the 70s period piece was awesome and fit every scene and with damn perfect pacing that would drive you along like a long, perfect putt. Mm. You can't help but be happy. And when the story would start to get, you know, sort of a little draggy, as biopics often do, they would throw in an adorable, cute comedy relief scene or a 
a tender little moment. You couldn't help but smile, or in my case, laugh out loud through most of the film. Mm. As much as everything about this movie is normally everything I rage about, the fact I was bawling my eyes out in one of the scenes, the final scenes, uh, it kind of sealed the deal. Mark Rylance is still mesmerizing, and I thought I may never say this in my life, ever. Mm. But a movie that is a period piece, biopic, sports movie, is Mondo. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that it would make it to Mondo for you. Yeah. it's You know what? Um, I think a lot of, well, we'll talk a little bit later, but uh, yeah, it was, it was totally Mondo for me. I had a smile on my face the whole movie and I cried. Like uh, nothing makes me cry. I, I didn't even cry when the kitten died in the instance. I had a smile too, but it I, wasn't as I big a smile. I had some issues. Okay. Well, I figured you might. I usually do. Uh, the Phantom of the Open is a film about social classes. It is an underdog story. It is a sports biopic. It's a family drama and it's a comedy. It tells the story of Morris Flitcroft, played by Mark Rylance. So good. Uh, who is a crane operator who was able to play in the British Open, even though he was by no means a professional golfer. <laughs> he never played before. <laughs> It is one of those stories that could never happen, but did. Yes. The film breezes along with a, with a fairly bouncy 70s soundtrack. The film finds much of its heart in the relationship between Morris and his family, which includes the always brilliant Sally Hawkins as his wife. The comedy is mainly focused in the golf scenes. His epic round of golf is well documented as he holds the record for the worst round in British Open history. A record that I reckon will never be broken. Morris's yeah. character was fairly well developed with the exception of one major thing and this bugged me. I just couldn't get over it. Uh -oh. I, I really don't know why he was so obsessed with golf. I can't imagine that witnessing Tom Watson win the British Open in 1975 would cause the level of desire to compete in the Open that it seems to have. There must be more to that story. One other minor complaint is that while Sally Hawkins has some great scenes, she's relegated to the role of the supportive wife with her yep. character being criminally underdeveloped. I desire to know more about her, but perhaps that just speaks to how mesmerizing she is. It is amazing that this gentleman was able to enter many different tournaments under various aliases. This is a story that I cannot imagine happening in this day and age, but yeah. I'm glad Morris was able to pull this off in the 70s as it made for one heck of an entertaining film. Because of the little minor problems I had, I couldn't get to Mondo. I, I just I, have to laugh at you though, because those things, those things in particular, are things that you just have to imagine that somewhere else in his story, they only had an hour and a half yes. to write this movie. But there's yet, stuff that I thought they could have lost. I thought they got maybe a little, there was yeah, a little then, too much whimsy in some places. Yeah, but that, that kind of took away from, it would kind of do a bit of a dip where it was starting to get draggy and then they'd have to put in a little scene that probably didn't happen in real life. But I mean, you're, I, I get, I knew those points would bother you, but I kept thinking to myself, really, does it really matter? The overall, the film, the arc of it, what happened? It's like, can't you, can't you just use your, I know, I know sometimes there's imagination in there mm -hmm. because I've seen it. Yes. <laughs> that maybe there was something did. more. But, but the, the, the thing was, is that I needed like stuff that they kind of went on about. Maybe they could have shortened that and did the stuff that was like, they should have spent more time, and, and you know what? I didn't make the movie, obviously. And this obviously, is just, and this is just what what I would have liked to see. But <laughs> it is so interesting that he continued to 
go under different aliases and disguises and stuff. Yeah. I would like to see a little more of that. That was all squished together. Oh, you together wanted to so see like him the... doing like a Pink Panther off kind uh, of thing? Not necessarily, <laughs> but it did need to be condensed into three minutes is all I'm I saying. I kind of like that. So yeah. that was good for me. I didn't want to see Pink Panther. I've already seen I that. I also needed more Sally Hawkins and I'm just being greedy. And you know what? Such is life. I really enjoyed this. The Phantom of the Open was quite the delightful man. There you go. So we're going to have to talk about Sally Hawkins later, I think, though. Yeah. I'm, the answer is yes, we do. Well, we have to talk about it, but I... I, I blah, blah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we're going to be talking about Sally in the list coming up. Yeah, but... Yeah, that's exactly the truth. That's exactly the truth. Yeah. I don't want to. Very elegant, Vera. Thank you. A doobity jaw. I, I am a wordsmith. You are. Bam. Bam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate doctors. There that's you all go. I got. That's the, mer- the, that's the merman minute. Oh. Okay, but can we at least ask you, did you at least get someone to stick their finger in your ass? No. That was did not, they touch your balls? That wasn't on the, on the doctor. How much does it cost for doctors to touch your balls now? I would have no idea. You have to ask yours. What about the finger? <laughs> you didn't even have to pay for that? It was free? Is it free now? I guess in Canada we can ask that anytime we go. Hey, I need a few things checked. I just need one. Yeah. And it involves my bum hole. That's her sick. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. We can have the same rage. Is it to do with superhero movies? Uh, no. All right. Is it to do with I don't get enough bunghole when I go to the doctor? When we go to the doctor, <laughs> we should go together. We should actually. go together. <laughs> Who's your doctor? Doctor's got two hands. Does your how big are your doctor's fingers? I actually don't have a doctor. Oh well, my doctor's fingers are fairly large, so you can come to mine. Fingers. Who wants? It's all about the fist. <laughs> well. This, this whole fist is pretty small. But my rage this week yes. is superhero movies. Why can they not be all that good? Now, as we're coming into Thor's Day, Thor's Day. It's, I'm not afraid that Thor's Day is not going to be good. Because, and this is what I'm saying, Taka. we got Taka in it. We got Fat Thor, who becomes Thin Thor. Uh, no, I wouldn't say he comes to become thin. Forward. But we got double talk in this because he's uh, he's a voice actor in it, yes. and he's also the director of it. He is two times the talka, two times the fun. That's right. So, other than Thor, mm. just stop making superhero movies unless you make them over in, in international or waters. Or just have Taka make them all. Yeah, either A make get Taka to make them all, or B make them outside of North America. Yes. Those are the two rules I want put forward. I concur. Because I'm a little tired about... Like, I think the number of superhero movies is multiplying by the minute. I understand that yes. uh, Shazam 2 is coming out also. Shazam 1 was good. But I'm like, can we please have a... Can we just have a whole year break of superhero movies? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. 2023, no superhero movies. Yeah, just don't make them for a whole year to get people to like other things. We'll be looking forward to it in 2024. That's right. 
They can take a year off. I I, I think so. Yes. Let's on behalf start. of the film industry, yes, I will have to say no. Are you working on a superhero movie right now? But there's now? so no, many other I'm films not. that can be made. Well, there you go. You could be making another Joe Pick- Pickett or whatever you're working on. Yeah. Joe Pickett. Two. Or make a second one. See, the problem Jolene Pickett. your all logic is superhero movies make them money. Yeah, I know that. And I the, wish they didn't. And the Innocents and the Flux Gourmet do not make them Yeah, money. but they're good. Yeah, but they're good. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to them. Matters to me. It ma- talk, yeah. I, I dare you talk to anybody in Hollywood who's a producer of any film. They will say it does not matter. Yes, it's true. What they, matters is how much it's money just they taking, can make. Taking that cookie cutter and, and making is the at same the cookie. Top of their evil Ugh. plans. Yeah. There you go. You can blame Disney all you like. Mickey okay. Mouse is a dick. He's a total dick. Oh. All right. Well, that's so enough raging for that. Let's pass the baton. Alright, my rage is... I watched two amazing films this week, and they were both on VOD. I do not want to watch these on my television, I want to watch them in cinema. That is my rage. Flux Gourmet and The Innocents need to be seen on the big screen. My screen is big, but it's not big enough. Uh, I've seen your screen. It could be a little bigger. Yes. Could be. Could be. Yeah, I. that's... I mean, I had that rage sort of percolating, but I'm more worried about superhero movies taking yeah, over the rest of this that. year. Yeah, they, have, they, 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 they will. The release dates are out. It's going to happen. <laughs> I don't even want to know how many there are there's, this year, before the end of the year. There's 297 of them. <laughs> They're going to cram it all in this year. Yeah. Ugh. Rage subsiding. Pulse slowing. Anger fading. Greetings, cinephiles. Are you looking for a movie analysis podcast that stands above the rest? Then look no further than Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. We analyze good movies, we analyze bad movies, and yes, we also analyze the in-betweens of the world of cinema. So if you like what you hear, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, my friends, we are 420 friendly, so when you listen to us, smoke smoke it if you've got got it. Weed, weed, weed. It's weed, 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 baby. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit later about Sally Hawken. But right now, we're going to talk about our assignment. What was that? Which was Mississippi Burning. Oh, I watched it. I believe of course. our assignment is to watch movies there, Bryce. That's true. It's also that. Yeah, I did. I did, I did good. Uh, first off... You know, Mississippi Burning I haven't seen since I saw it in cinemas when it first came out. I'm not sure about you. I have seen it one, one more, more time. time. Yeah, I've seen it twice. Once huh. in cinema and then about 10 or 15 years later. In in second watch of it, I'm like super dated uh, in, like in retrospect and choppy direction. And yeah, a, a real, it was a really important topic 
that wasn't as great as I remember. I would give it a meh if I like. It's it's a high at meh. the time. At the time I saw it, I was like, "This is the best thing that I've ever seen." Because yeah. I think at the time it was one of the only films that was really talking about this topic. It's got some very good performances in it, but yeah, there's there's some issues with what's I don't know editing, I guess. Yeah, it was it was yeah. choppy. I felt yeah. I felt choppy. It was kind of like this scene didn't meld as well into the next yeah. scene. I can see that. So yeah, no, I would also say it's it's a it's a high meh because I I you know there's a lot of good in it, but there's there's enough in it. Well, the topic like, is just so rich, yeah, it's right? Really and is. Murray's love of his life is pretty great in this film. Hawkman. That would be Gene. Hawkman. AKA Lex Luthor. Hawkman. The original Lex. Yes. So the question on okay, so do you have a uh, something you want to say about it other than it was a high meh? Nope. All right. So let's get to the the dirty the dirty bird. All right. And I'm gonna write it down. Okay. I'm just gonna circle it. Oh, All no, right. I'm not because you stole my pen. Well, here's a pen. All right. And I've pen. got it written. And release. There we go. Here's what I did. I watched the movie. Watched the movie. And, and I compared the scenes that Willem Dafoe, nobody knows who he chose yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't we, both, we both know. They didn't show me. Yeah. But here's, I'm going to tell you the He's process tell I used first. I looked at both both Willem Dafoe yep. and Francis McDormand, and I isolated the scenes that they had with Mr. Hackman. Yes. And at the end of the day, yes. Gene Hackman outmesmerized Defoe. Yes. And he yes. didn't he didn't outmesmerize McDormand. Yes. And that final scene between him and McDormand just yes. solidified the oh, fact totally. that she was she's just so good. She's queen and she, she is the queen of cinema right and if, now. If ever, you know, Hackman was gonna take a bunch of people down, yes. This was this the was role. the role. Yeah. He well, could, he's not even on our mesmerite. He's not he's even on our mesmerite. But he was. Well, he can't be. He now. can't be now because Francis McDormand took him out. But yeah, and this was, this was such a. He was at his best here. Oh he yeah, really like was. like literally, I, I've never seen him still better. Took him down, and yeah. and as I say, that's that was my comparison. I'm like, you know what, Defoe versus Hackman. But Francis McDormand versus Hackman. Who did? And uh, it, you know it, what? You're she, right. Because yeah. because Defoe was so uh, mooted yeah. compared to Hackman, and it's like he doesn't he doesn't do that very often. Like yeah. when he's in a scene, it's like you can't look anywhere else. But and and even though the character wasn't really likable, he he still could have Defoe him up. Yeah, and I and I was, right. And I, yeah, I, absolutely. I don't think there there was a question of the. You know, she had more meat to her character or anything. Because sometimes we get, we got a, you know, a showdown where yeah, one, yeah. one person gets to, like, just chew up the scenery and the other ones yep. doesn't. Yep. And it's he just had the way that it was written. But this was, I think that the roles were very even as well as yep. far as. So Screen time. This, yep. was, this was a very, very fair fight. And McDormand takes it. Yep. Well, we, we've been saying it for years, folks. Mm. If we ever, if we ever get Viola Davis and and her in the same movie, this is oh, going to be the biggest, be, the biggest battle of it, of the list. It would be an epic battle, and and the epic also that we have never witnessed, as in well the as epic. It would be epic. It would be that too. <laughs> now, Mur, before yeah. before we talk about Sally, 
Have you got an assignment for us this coming week? Yeah, I scraped something up. I had no idea what you were going to do. So it's like... Well, we may we may watch... We might need to watch a Sally Hawkins film, but I, we're going to talk to Bryce in a minute. But if we don't, uh, yeah, let's have I it. Yeah, I found another McDormand movie. Nice. Hail Caesar. Caesar. Nice. Oh, which, all accounts, is a really bad movie with a lot of really you know big what? names in it's it. Pretty it good. wasn't that bad. I kind of liked it. And I did too. Francis is going up against Bryce's... BFF, oh. Tilda Swinton. <gasps> oh, because apparently Clooney's not on our list either. So, nope. Or Josh Brolin. Nope. They, they could also go each other versus each other in a couple other movies. Oh, that's just the one I pulled. Out. Yeah, I'm really. actually glad you pulled this one because I don't think it's a fair fight in um, the Burn After Reading. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Well, no, it's, uh, Swinton's hardly in that. Yeah, exactly. Well, she's not in it five minutes, so she yeah, w- it wouldn't be a movie would, yeah. that would qualify. Yeah. I but I think she's in this one a little I bit more. I part she has in it, but yeah, that one was all Francis. Yeah. Mm. So I am, uh, yeah. I'm excited about I'm that. Excited about I like Hail Caesar. I've only seen Hail Caesar once in the theaters. And I don't know. IMDb, I it is on Amazon Prime, so hopefully I can Murray, find it. you are the sweetest man that's walked this planet. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, okay, so Sally Hawkins. This is why we have to talk about her, because she's on our undoubted list. She is. But... What was her movie before this last um, one? So she's made Nash. a few. She's made yeah. a few, actually. So she's she kind of had put out a ton during the pandemic. Oh. But, okay, the most important question that you ha- I have. Well, I have a couple. So yeah. The Shape of Water, as we both know, was a Mondo. Absolutely. Now, here's a question. Paddington 2 is a mix with people and animation. Does it count? I think it counts. Okay, so have you seen it? I have. And? It's Mondo. I okay. love that movie. Well, everybody talks about how great it is. I'm <laughs> going to watch it at some point. Okay. It's so, so good. Godzilla King of Monsters. Mondo. Okay, I agree. Now, have you seen Eternal Beauty? It came out in 2019. I don't know. And have you seen, well, this is a TV movie. It doesn't count. And Spencer, you gave a meh to. That is a meh. And then... I th- we don't have to watch any Sally Hawkins films because you just gave The Phantom of the Open a meh. So Sally Hawkins is no longer what undoubted. Was the, so what was the one before Phantom of the Open? Ben Spencer. Oh. Well, she's not undoubted anymore then. That's what I'm saying. Apparently. That's why I was I wondering mean, why that I mean, one, the Phantom why of the one Open thing. Is Mondo. No, <laughs> it wasn't. It was, it, was, it was Mondo to it me. Was, it was very good. But, oh, I feel so bad. Yeah, because you're terrible. I'm a dick. Yeah. I just okay, bounce. so I just bounce so, one of my favorite actors ever. Okay, off of the so but list. to your point, is she goes? mesmerizing? Well, too, too well. The problem is because if we put her on the mesmerized list, Mark Rylance took her off of that last movie. She <laughs> right? Yes. Okay. Well, there we go. She can't be mesmerizing, and she needs. Uh, so there's a movie she's out after A Phantom of the Open called A Boy Called Christmas, uh-huh. which sounds like it's going to be sounds like, sounds like it sounds like it's going to be a rage. Yeah, it sounds like it, but you never know. You never know. It could be a meh. And Anyways, then it stars can, a bunch can, of good people. Just let's stop talking about her because I'm kind of bummed. Yeah, now. well, it's your fault because you should have liked that and movie. She will more. now curse your name for the rest of her days. That she's going to say Bryce Hollingsworth. I hate him. Bruce Hollingsworth. All right. Oops. 
We're going to have a long intro here. Yeah, I'm kidding because I don't know if I'm ready either. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last week on Rage or Dare, as predicted, Bryce took the time to cry like a diaper rash afflicted baby when he was dared to see the 1998 Steven Seagal film, The Patriot. Just in time for July 4th. Unlike Bryce, this week Jim will take his rage session like a man and get his opportunity to Rage or Dare. Now let's check in with Bryce and see who the bigger American patriot is. Seagal or all of the Australians in the other movie titled The Patriot that came out in the year 2000. Wait a minute, how many films are there called The Patriot? Let's see, there's Patriot Games, Patriot's Day, not sure if that counts out. Um, Anyway, let's check in with Bryce and find out if any of them are worth lighting fireworks over. All right. I thought you were watching the Mel Gibson one. So did I. Nope. It was the 1998 The Patriot, not the 2000 The Patriot. Never heard of it. Well, it stars Steven Seagal. Nice. So, yeah, I was like, you know what? I don't know why The Patriot, the 2000 one's on this, but okay. I'll, and not realizing And the two-hour and 45-minute runtime wasn't going to do it? Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I still remember liking that movie. Did you still yet. watch it? No, I was about to, and then oh. it just occurred to me. But you should have watched it just I looked July at the piece of paper weekend. again, because I'm like, I don't, because I looked at it and it said The Patriot 2000. I was like, I'm pretty sure that this was 1998. I don't think I have the right movie. So then I look back and it's like, okay, it isn't. So then I pull up The Patriot 1990. It's like, ah, crap. It's a Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> Yummy. Mr. Hard to Kill. Uh, he is hard to kill. He's also above the law. He is also above the law. <laughs> he blew up our, our bridge. He's also out for justice. He is, he's a lot of things. And he's always under siege. And he's... <laughs> this is going to go on for hours now. Okay, so Steven Seagal stars as, wait for it, wait for it, Dr. Wesley McLaren. In the 1998 major motion picture, The Patriot. Yep, Steven Seagal is a doctor in this one. Do I really need to continue? (laughs) This could be the funniest movie ever made. The film takes place in a town where some super virus from the military is released by some right-wing fanatic organization who want, I don't know, something to do with freedom, I think. So they release this virus in the town, which infects both them and the townspeople. (gasps) No. But they think that they have the antidote, but it turns out that they don't. So then, apparently the only one that can save the day is Dr. Seagal, who smashes through some windows and breaks into a high-security military (laughs) facility. Cures it with high kicks and punches? Yeah, where he does some experiments and holds up some smoking beakers and and eventually figures out that the cure for the virus is some flower. So all the military guys go out to the field and pick some flowers, and they load them onto a helicopter. That proceeds to fly over the town and and drop the flowers. Drop the flowers. Just the flowers, not processed? So the town gets covered in these flowers, and apparently that cures everybody. What? So it was like the Wizard Just, of Oz so when they go through the poppy field? So apparently, being in the vicinity of these magical flowers will cure this virus that killed a good portion of the population of this town. I'm sorry, but there is no killer virus that exists when in order to, where in order to cure it, all you have to do is be near the antidote. That doesn't happen. That's it, not a thing. It, it it happened right there. 
This could be the dumbest ending that I've ever seen, and I have seen the life of David Gale. Still, I did not laugh so many times through this. I or I, I haven't ever laughed so many times than watching this Steven Seagal deliver line after line as as a doctor. It was smile-inducing through the whole thing, I must admit. Like, watching him play a doctor... Trying to pronounce science words. Is so... What, was it as good as watching Denise Richards play a doctor? Yes. It was... Those two rivaled each other. I mean, to be honest... No, because this was... Hers was cringeworthy. This just kind of made me happy watching Steven Seagal be, be doctor or whatever. <laughs> Dr. Doctor McLaren. Doctor. <laughs> yeah whole film was a mess it was still a rage but it was a kind of a happy rage <laughs> it's hard to hate something so much it was so it, it was so insane we have to have a new classification like, i think we it, have to add a new classification drop flowers Be- on the town everybody's cured because there's there's rage because it we're we're so angry after seeing it mm-hmm. we have to come up with a new another rating just for the rager dare because the movie can be terrible, yes. But we still may enjoy it. Yes. So what? What? What equals a? There, there is a ten-minute sequence in this where I'm like, this is brilliant, <laughs> brilliantly bad. But it was only brilliant because it was so over the top bad that it was like it was a so funny, you're, you're so bad it's funny type of deals there for about ten minutes, and then there's a there are big stretches where it's just awful. Like, it's just oh. truly awful. Well, but there's enough, there was enough in here where I was like, is this a map? Because, <laughs> man, I smiled through a lot of this. Okay, so did he have but to punch anybody? Uh, yeah, he got into a couple little fights, but, you know, nobody got their arms snapped or anything. So, no, you know, it's no kind of high a kicks? Down. Was no there a high, high kick? kick? No high kick. Not one? By 1998, Seagal was getting pretty fat already. Uh, okay, so, so we couldn't do yeah. the high kicks. I mean, it's not like spray hair with the with the kind of uh, Dracula type hair yeah, yeah. that he ends up in like five years later. Yep. He's got like a series of movies that are have the same character in it. That are you know what would be crazy. a really good movie What's that? for Murray is yeah. Steven Seagal and Liam Neeson together. Oh yeah. That could happen. Old well, Man Neeson and Old Man Seagal. Yes. Anyways, this was a rage but it was a happy <laughs> rage. Okay, well I think I'm I... I think I'm going to go with the dare bag because I'm kind of afraid after the last time I took braces. And as, I said I wouldn't cry like a baby, be. but... As you should be. All right, here goes. Don't be looking. Some of those are showing what they are. I'm looking in your eyes. Right, well, I'm melting that? in your eyes. How could you resist but look in my eyes? Okay, what? Is this a movie? Apparently. What is it called? Atlantic Rim Resurrection? Atlantic Rim Resurrection? It sounds like a porn film. As opposed to Pacific Rim? That (laughs) sounds straight to DVD. Yeah. It's unrated. That would be straight to DVD. Okay, hold on. (laughs) Let's find out if it had a... Hmm. I see filming locations, technical... It might be a straight-to-TV movie. Yeah, I, I think you got to choose again. I think we got to. I think we got to have a little harder rule on these ones that are, because you just it's got to have a release, otherwise it's. Yep. Yeah. It's made for TV to be bad for yeah. TV. It's like two guys in their basement made it, and then it got on 
Amazon. Okay, <laughs> so what about Valley of the Ditches? <laughs> I think we might be choosing another one, Jim. <laughs> okay, FYI, Atlantic Rim Resurrection got a 1.8 out of 10. On Damn. I'm sure it did, but it also probably never got screened on a in a movie theater ever. Apparently, Valley of the Ditches doesn't exist, so... Right. Maybe it was supposed to be Valley of the Dolls, and Spellcheck did something weird. Nah, okay, third not. time's a charm. That's what they say. Let's see if it's true. Oh! Did this get released in cinemas? Because it's the sequel to the one you had to watch. Highlander Endgame 2000. It did get released Yeah, Highlander in Endgame was, it was yeah. the final movie of, yeah. of the series. It was definitely released in cinema. That was Have where a good the, time with this one. That actually. was where the, 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 the guy from the TV show... Met the guy from the movie. It's very exciting. <laughs> I'm a little frightened of this because I should be. I hated the second one. I was so hoping they would never make another well, one. You know which one I hated? I, the second the one. first one. All of them. <laughs> any any of them that had Sean Connery in it? <laughs> Sean Connery is a as what was Scot- he Spanish? He, he was a Scottish dude playing a Scottish a Spanish. Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, wow, that's terrible. all I want to say. Wow, yeah, no, have right. fun with Highlander Endgame. <laughs> 2000. Man, I just sad that you didn't. I, these uh, the audience dareback. Come on, guys, we need romantic eh, comedies <laughs> or musicals or musicals. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Ragers, for listening. Thanks, the extended film Rage family, who you can find in our show notes. Thanks to Casey, the nerdy photographer, for the voice of Rager Dare. We love you, buddy, so much. Find us on social media everywhere at Film Rage YYC. Check out everything Film Rage at FilmRageYYC.com, including our merch site for Redbubble and Public. We are always wanting to make this a raging blast for all listeners, so please comment, like, and subscribe, or send us an email to FilmRageCalgary at gmail.com. Dare us to see a terrible movie to fuel our rage, but no matter what you do, please, 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 pretty please, please, make us rage. That's it for this week. Rage on! Rage on!